Okay, we're live. Okay, we're live, guys. What's up? John Sintes here, Cutter Nation podcast number 70. The street continues. I'm surprised we have made it this far, but I'm pumped. Cass Kreitlow on the road, Colorado, making a remote stop here. This is our first four. I think coming out pretty nice. I like this. Stuff. Anyway, Matt Floor and Matt Burgandy. Burgandy? Yep. Right? Okay, yep. from uh, University of San Diego. <laughs> Nailed it. Um Anyway, guys, thanks for coming on. Um, I appreciate it. This is really exciting because, uh, you know, first uh, university that we're having in San Diego area, and I feel like we can directly connect to the community here in San Diego, and what better two guys to do it than you. So why don't you guys start off uh, one at a time, introduce yourself, go to player history, maybe, and, and you know, maybe a fun fact or something, and, and we'll go from there. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks. You know, thanks to the two of you guys for having us on. I know, uh, you know, Brigandi and I being able to build our own relationship with the two of you guys and, and myself even swinging by the facility uh, and not yet the new one. I'm excited to see that here shortly. But uh, you guys are doing awesome things. What you're doing on social media is is captivating. Uh, so a lot of credit to you guys. So pumped to be on this thing. Uh, but like John said, Matt Floor, I'm the pitching coach here at the University of San Diego. Uh, this is my second conclusion now, second season here. Prior to spending time uh, at the University of San Diego, uh, I was I previously played at and then also coached at Loyola Marymount University, uh, and that's up in the Los Angeles area. Um, like I said, I was there for four seasons. <clears throat> the last two of them were there specifically as the pitching coach and then was able to mold into the position here to USD. Uh, and then prior to that, always just been a Southern California guy myself. I grew up in Mission Viejo, so only about an hour north of San Diego. Uh, have always just kind of, you know, enjoyed, um, you know, the, the life that we live and uh, being able to now give back on the coaching end to the baseball community, at least hope that I'm giving back to the baseball community. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely something that I know Brigani will, will touch on, but we absolutely enjoy and, uh, you know, we're lucky to be a part of. So fun fact, goodness gracious, I'm left-handed. I'm goofy is, is all. Uh, uh, but, uh, hey, again, happy to be here. Happy to, to break things down with you. Well, how do you that's follow be, that? I don't yeah. know how I was going to follow that, but thank you, Coach <laughs> well, Floor, for the great, for the great introduction. Oh, my gosh. Sheesh, was, it's like this in every meeting, too. It's so profound oh, when he speaks. And just listening to him, it's just, the opportunity is amazing every single day. But uh, following that, uh, I'm Matt Brigandi. I'm the Director of Player Development at uh, University of San Diego. Uh, it's my first year. Technically, we'll put the asterisk. Next year, well, I guess, will be the first year, too. Um I get to work alongside the wonderful Matthew Floor every day. I get to learn from him and the way he speaks about pitching and everything from the recruiting side to home visits to NCAA. This man's covered it all. But um, I actually played at University of San Diego years ago, uh, bounced around. I had every single injury in the book due to the shoulder and the elbow. Um, but then I started my coaching career at Mission College in the Bay Area. It's a junior college up there. And then last year I was the catching coach over at San Francisco State. And then uh, I was finally able to come home, you know, as – it's great homecoming to be able to come back to the homeland and uh, be back with my brothers here down in San Diego. Um, I'm from the Bay Area, and I think a little fact about me is I'm a twin brother, and uh, he also played at USD, and he lives down here, so it's great to be uh, within driving distance of each other. And thanks again for having us, guys. Oh, uh, is what position is he? 
He was a third baseman, but now he's a real estate agent. So it's it's a quick transition. The <laughs> hot corner, right? Yeah, right. he's ready. He's always ready. He's on his toes. That's awesome. Oh. That's awesome. Um, you guys were off to a, a, a start and a half. I was telling Cass that uh, um, I was looking at a couple games. Uh, we did an event last year where we took the whole – organization to uh san diego state game and this year we planned on coming to you guys and i was eyeing the uh fullerton game and we were coming up on that you guys were kind of hot they were kind of hot i was like i think it's gonna be a pretty solid ball game you know it's tuesday night um i think it's tuesday night but you guys were eight no at home and and two and three on the road why don't you uh tell everybody about how it was going and you know how you got there yeah i think uh you know we knew that we had a special group in Austin. I know it sounds funny, but we knew that there was something special brewing probably back, uh, I mean, as early as last summer, you know, when individuals depart and, you know, specific uh, players of yours grow into leadership roles. Uh, you know, we were just, uh, like I said, we were really excited for what was about to take place. They had a good fall. They were challenged, you know, a lot of early mornings. A lot of uh, tough conditioning. We all know, you know, the the fun parts, I guess, of of college athletics. Uh, but you know, as then we got to the spring, uh, you know, I think the biggest bummer being, and Coach Bergandy and I both, you know, talked about this. You know, him helping me out a ton, just with his own eyes. But we really felt as though that final week of competition. You know, we spent a full week out at Indiana. We played Indiana State. Uh, we took two out of three at you know, the University of Indiana, and then we put together a shutout on that final game. It ends up being the final game of ours against Cal Baptist. And, and we really had felt in those, you know, call it five games, that we were starting to kind of hit our stride on the mound. And as we all know, especially, you know, coming from a little bit more of a pitching background, the secret to success is going to be what's taking place there. And we really felt as though we were kind of getting, getting into our own. Guys were emerging into huge roles. Younger guys were stepping into, you know, uh, into big roles themselves. Uh, and we were about to open up conference play with a, just a ton of confidence uh, on the pitching side. Uh, so, again, you know, when the NCAA comes through and says, you know, in a matter of, gosh, it was four hours probably that, hey, you know, first your season's been suspended. Maybe we're going to resume here in three weeks. Then all of a sudden, you know, on social media, the College World Series is canceled. As funny as that is, that, that was the that was the avenue that it took. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, of course, we're figuring out, okay, if the College World Series canceled, you know, what are we, you know, what are we going to be doing in terms of competition? So the season being canceled itself. Uh, so yeah, it was a it was a good start. Uh, we were we were hitting our stride on the mound. The offense was of course doing their thing. Um, so we were excited for what is to come, but the good thing being that we have a ton of our guys returning next year, which should be a, you know, a promising 2021 season as well. So. Could you speak on, um, you know, just update everybody on what the NCAA's decision is on everything. And I know that there's a weird bottleneck issue that's going on that, that we can see whether it's this year or in three years. Um, I know you guys are probably anticipating that. Do you guys have any plans for that? Yeah, I think, you know, to, to kind of first uh, allow, you know, just your viewers to, to kind of catch them up to speed with just NCAA rules in general. And a lot of, a lot of individuals know this, but, you know, you're, you're dealt with kind of three things. One being that a roster size can cannot be any larger than 35 individuals. 
And then the second tier being that out of those 35 individuals, only 27 of them or up to 27 of them can be on scholarship. Uh, and then from there, you only have 11.7 scholarships to use. So, you know, unlike football and basketball, where those are fully funded sports, and I get that, you know, that they do generate more money than baseball, and that's just the facts. Uh, so they can, you know, reward their student athletes accordingly. But, you know, we have to handle things from a scholarship perspective, uh, you know, definitely with the, the idea of having a cap space, if you want to break it down kind of in a, in a professional term. Uh, so we got to be smart in how we're utilizing, hey, do we spend 75% of a scholarship here, 25% of a scholarship there, uh, et cetera, moving forward. So, you know, John, like you just brought up, the NCAA cancels the season. You know, we all have this uh, this idea that they're at least going to reward uh, the seniors, you know, rightfully so. But the seniors who are in their last year of eligibility, maybe an additional year of eligibility. And that's kind of what we all thought was going to take place. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you know, the NCAA comes out now about three, four weeks ago and lets us know, hey, not only are those seniors going to get their eligibility back, but every athlete on your team essentially gets their year back. So, you know, it, it, next year, meaning that you're going to have, uh, like you had brought up, just kind of a bottleneck of, of individuals of, hey, you know, a, a 19, 20 year old freshman because, you know, they didn't necessarily, I guess, complete their freshman campaign. And it has now led to them being, you know, reclassified through NCAA standards uh, as a freshman again. Uh, and then you bring in student athletes, right? I mean, we're bringing in, you know, 10 different individuals uh, from our recruiting class. So, you know, there's going to be a, an interesting kind of, uh, I think just an interesting way of, of being able to manage your team uh, based on the fact that roster size, uh, NCAA is going to allow uh, an expansion of roster size for at least just one year to kind of complement this. But I think what you're going to really see, which is exciting for all of us, uh, every level of college baseball, and if I had to imagine probably the two, the two levels that come to mind being Division One baseball and then junior college baseball being extremely strong over the, these next few years. And that's just because of, you know, the alternative of, of players being awarded that extra year. And then maybe, you know, unfortunately, my heart goes out to those 2020 high school seniors of all players because they're not getting an extra year back. You know, they just lose that year. And there's going to be a ton of talent that filters through to the junior college level because they just didn't get the exposure that, you know, unfortunately that uh, we were all hoping for uh, if we were able to still compete this spring. So I think it's going to be an exciting time for college baseball. Like I said, Division One baseball uh, and junior college baseball especially. And, of course, that's going to filter through to every single level. Uh, so I think, you know, like I said, for, for fans of college baseball, it's going to be, uh, fun to watch, you know, over these next two, three years as, you know, as everything starts to, uh, slowly get back to kind of the normalcy that we're accustomed to. I also feel for the, um, like the fifth and six year seniors that like got redshirted or, or got injured. And then now, like, let's say you're, let's say you're a catcher and you like broke your ankle or something weird. Right. And then, you know, you just don't really come back. And then do you, do you redo those early mornings again and go to school another year for your seventh year? Like goodness. If you love it, man, you do it. If, yeah. If you yeah. feel it every day, then you do it. 
Yeah, I, I I just know that for me personally, I guess it would be a tough decision. It'd be you know where what is going to happen with the draft? What are they going to do? You know, they just dropped forty MLB teams, so like I guess I'd be more likely mm-hmm. to stay. You know, there's a whole bunch of news and things that's going on with this with the situation that you know it's it's interesting how you guys are handling it and what what you're looking at. You know, I, I feel for all these 2020s too. I mean, yeah, and then you. No, uh, no, 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 jumping you, you for Gandhi uh, after just, this. But, uh, you know, from, from my perspective, like you said, John, you know, it, those older guys, you know, it, I think it just, unfortunately, it, it forces a decision about just your life at an earlier time that these guys were anticipating, you know, and, and just being real with themselves, you know, understanding the athlete that they are, you know, they're coming to now this, this crossroad of, gosh, I was expecting, you know, to at least play collegiate baseball until June. And now this season ends for, you know, for us in March. And hey, maybe I know that the best thing for my own life and, and career is to move away from the game. And that's not that's not an easy decision, as we all know. Uh, but, you know, that's definitely one that, you know, I think when you get a little, it's kind of a slap in the face, a wake up call that happens three months prior to what everyone was, was hoping for, um, you know, it, it definitely you deal with a lot of emotions uh, from, you know, from these, these teammates or, you know, players of ours that uh, are just kind of in the unknown. So Coach Brigani, take the wheel, man. No, I was just going to say, oh, yeah. thanks, Coach Flo. No, I was just saying it's, it's a great opportunity <laughs> and, and, and the downside of it with all this going on, it helps our guys kind of focus on school again, being a very academic university. Um, the guys that do want to come back another year, they can have a lighter load during season and during their next year. Um, and also there's, there's guys that are having that decision is, is it worth it to once I get this piece of paper at the end of my four years here to move on and get a job and start interviewing everywhere else, or is it worth it to get that grad year and come back and become a graduate student? And so there, there's a lot of decisions that go into it, but, um, something that we're very big on at USD is our culture. So we, we know that our guys that are coming back are so bought, in, bought into this program that they're excited to come back. Um, like when all this news came out, there's two, two routes that could have gone. Guys could have been like, oh, man, this, this stinks. Like, I can't believe this is happening. And then there's the route of, oh, boy, like, look what's coming. Like, I'm excited for next year. Look, look at all this time that we have to train and get ready for next year. So, I mean, there's – I think most of our guys have been going the second way as long as uh, we've been having our fingers crossed and they've been telling us. But we, we are so stoked for this. But I think most of the guys that are having that tough decision are so in love with our culture and our team and our school that they're leaning towards coming back and giving it another run. That's that's great. I, I, I just want to, like, thinking out loud about those decisions, I, I will say um, I don't hear this message being – strewn a lot a lot of kids are like crapped on because they don't have perspective because they don't have i don't know like kids are soft or however you want to put it right like our generation just gets crapped on um and it's like well for the first time ever they're actually having to make some serious decisions about what the heck they're gonna do Right. And so for everybody, you know, this is new for everybody, but it's cool because they have a unique perspective on it. You know, so a lot of these kids don't have um, real problems, but this presents a real freaking problem. And, and so for a lot of young men and women, they're forcing themselves to make 
bigger life decisions than they ever had imagined in these moments. And I think that's really cool, regardless of, of what we're talking about, whether this is baseball or not. So, um, you know, that's me going a little bit off on a tangent, but you're talking about culture. You're talking about raising, you know, or not raising, but, you know, building young people up. Right. And um, gosh, you know, this is where you have to be honest with yourself, right? No matter what. So how are you going to use your time? Blah, blah, blah. I'm just excited that they're going to, they're, everybody's growing a lot through this, but this kind of takes the, the target off their back because this stuff is mentally messed up, right? This, I mean, I don't know that this is like, go get drafted, right? You know, cause I know early on people were like, Hey, remember when you had to go to war when you turned 18, like, like those kind of things. <laughs> But, but this is on a different level, right? Just psychologically, what have we, we done where it's like, there's nothing wrong, but there's so much wrong. Um, it's cool. And, and not at the same time. So that's my two cents. Yeah, I think, no, I think you, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and something that uh, Coach Ungrich, our, you know, our other assistant coach, he talks a lot about throughout his just you know, kind of experience is you are going to be who you are. And what he means by that is if you're going to be a big leaguer, you're not going to let anything or anyone get in your way. You know, you're not going to let a situation like a, a, a pandemic, which is a real, you know, it's a real issue that we're all, all of us are, you know, are dealing with. You're not going to let a specific coach, you know, to get in your way. You're going to find ways to outcompete and compete then with yourself so that you can then perform at the highest level of, of your ability. So, you know, as Coach Brigani, you had brought up, Cass, you had just brought up, you know, there, there is a lot of, uh, more so, there's a, a ton of mentality that's going into, you know, something like this of, hey, I have a decision to make. You know, I can just sit on my couch and go through my, you know, Zoom studies that, you know, the USD has, you know, makes me do, or, and then that's call it a day. Or it's, you know, I'm going to wake up early, I'm going to put together a good breakfast, a workout, a run, go to class, you know, then be able to get outside, you know, get to a, a facility to train, um, et cetera. So, you know, I think that's where there's going to be a real separation probably of, you know, of those 1% elite players at every level. Uh, probably, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, but even at the MLB level, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out and maybe doesn't have a hot start, you know, and, and again, I don't want to relate it directly to a correlation of maybe what they were or were not doing during this time away from one another, but it's easy to point that finger, you know, cause it's just something that, you know, all of us can do uh, in comparison to players that do come out and have a hot start. So again, it's, you know, it's definitely going to, it's definitely a test for the mentality uh, over anything else for the time being. I think an interesting perspective, though, is that, like, I, I'm not, I, I couldn't disagree with anything that you've said. It's it's super important that you've taken this time and continue to try to push towards your goals, whatever they may be. Um, and, and maybe this is me uh, pushing my own agenda, but my life has been a lot of those things that I've been doing have been taken away, right? So baseball and CrossFit for the two things, I can't experience those things on any level that I used to eight weeks ago. Right. And so like some of the things that allow people to train the way that they want to train are because the other things in their life allow them the stability to do that. You know, I have met players who are very talented 
right? And, and actually do very well in the classroom. But sometimes life is really freaking hard and they can't train well. It kills their training. It has nothing to do with their desire to train or to their desire to be a big leaguer. It's that some of this stuff is deeper than that. So I'm, I'm simply just, you know, I know we have a lot of kids watching and I think there's, we do have to have some sort of, um, Oh, just perspective. Yeah. Some perspective and leeway. And, And if you're a kid, that's going like, man, I can't get myself to, to crush it during this time. I'm just saying like, take a breath. And it's probably like, you're, you're not the only person doing that. Right. I mean, the whole point, why are you in a college baseball program? Right. Like, why do you gravitate towards these things? It's the same reason that I'm in CrossFit because I don't want to work my butt off that much, but I'll do it when I got my brothers and sisters right next to me. Right. Like I'll do those things. And so this kind of just like, I don't know, it, it, it exposes certain kinds of people. Right. So if you're more like, Hey, I love being a homebody, dude, I have so many people that are like, <laughs> I don't have to see anybody. I don't have to see anybody forever what right and that's such a different perspective so anyway it's messed up i don't even know what i I just trying to give all perspectives for the kids so i mean when you break it down at the end of the day you have two decisions you have or two ways to look at it you have to do something or you get to do something so the way that we talk about it is if a guy wakes up he's like oh man i have class in an hour then i have to work out oh i have i have to go to a zoom meeting for yoga at three it's like, okay, that guy already took a loss for the day. There's, He's not going to do that thing that all the big leaders want to do. It's you get to wake up early. You get to do that. You get to go to that Zoom meeting at 3 o'clock for hot yoga. You you get to do all these things. So if kids are struggling with it, like I get the times are hard, but once you change kind of your mentality of where you're at and how your day looks, like realistically, do you guys love doing Cutter Nation behind a camera? Like do you like, hey, man, we got to get the arm up. We got to – no, it's easier when you're in person, but you still get to have the opportunity to train kids through this. So I think once the mentality starts to change, that's when people can start going back to their normal routines. Yeah, totally. One thing that I just thought of too, um, the timing issue of lack of game time, right, is going to be, I wonder how long that's going to take. you got these summer leagues that are starting up, right? You haven't played. I, 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 think, I think we might – it, it would be easy to understand if bad baseball started off in some of these situations, you know, you know, a lot of, a lot of four ball counts, three ball counts, a lot of bad swings, you know, <laughs> like almost like you forgot how to play the game, you know, staying in rhythm, I think is one of the things that the international community does way better than, you know, the United States and playing the game, but they also play a different style of game as far as how long you're active in it. You know, there's, there's kind of like a half season and then like a, one third season is where I, I would say that Mexico and Japan and them do it right. And the States just do this huge thing. Right. And so it may, makes you wonder like how things will progress and develop in these programs because, you know, we don't know on, on a very, very conservative side, we don't know when groups like this thing will actually be okay. Right. Like some of these situations may change for a very long time. And so, you know, um, I think about how technologies progress and how things are going. And, and, you know, as a baseball program, I feel for you. Like I, I was lucky enough to be the, the school to be the only guy that had the full ride. Right. And, and everybody knew it. They made a big deal of it when, you know, for each guy that gets it every year, it's kind of like your award is the captain kind of thing. 
And um, I was very proud of that, right? And so looking at how this whole situation goes, like how do you how do you keep how do you keep these guys from what is it, April 28th to the next competitive game that means anything? Let's say I hear late late July is where I'm hearing the like some but didn't they stuff. already cancel the um, cape? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Has, has, right. So how do you how do you, who's how do you play? Get these, yeah exactly how do you get these guys to do because right now we're talking about training no. or like right absolutely I think I think you know you're absolutely right too John where it's just everyone fears the unknown and that's that's normal and in a lot of different things in life uh, and our players right now are are just you know are dealing with the unknown of what's the timeline ahead of me? You know, and I don't have a correct answer where guys are, Hey, you know, do I need to be ready to go July one or do I need to be ready to go, you know, September one or, you know, and we all know as, as on the pitching, yeah. on the pitching side, typically, okay, you have your date, you're going to circle it. And then you can work backwards from there of how you want to prepare to get ready to go out and compete. And, And that's where, you know, telling our guys is, Hey, we also, we also have to to be fearful of what if, you know, what if this a second wave and, and I, I, you know, I don't want to play doomsday, but what if a second wave of this pandemic hits and we're unable to get out and compete until January? I mean, what if that is the case? And so all of a sudden, I think my biggest fear is, you know, you bring up the the games whenever that does resume, it is going to be sloppy. Right. I mean, absolutely. You know, if from a, from a, you know, shifting gears rather from a development perspective, but from a recruiting perspective, going back out and watching high school players compete, you're going to have to use a different lens because, you know, it's just like you, you got absolutely like what Cass was saying. You have to have perspective of, yeah. you know, what they were able to do and how then us college coaches are going to be able to evaluate them. Uh, but my biggest fear is, the the health you know especially us on the mound you know the the, we don't know again we don't we we have an idea of what our players are doing but i can't i can't due to ncaa rules i can't say hey this is what you need to do and this is what you have to do and Mm -hmm. and two each arm's different each body's different so i want them to create their own you know their own plan of success but that's my fear is let's say summer gets canceled and we'll just make it easy we're september one you know, we're able to jump back out there as a, as you know, coach Burgandy and I are monitoring our guys and they're throwing patterns. The accelerator is going to have to wait a little bit in, longer in comparison to maybe normal falls. And that's just because I hate to say it and you don't want to treat, you know, everyone the same cookie cutter it, but there are going to be guys that you're just, you're going to be fearful for of, okay, what was their real intent being away for this long and how they went about their business. And then how can we ramp it back up to prepare for an inner squad in October? So that my hey, biggest fear is. FYI, this is the fear of every division three coach every year, nonstop. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, I believe it. And that's goodness gracious. That is, you know, what we talk about the most is how are we going to prepare our guys so that they can maintain their health. Because uh, that's always the, the, the number one thing that Coach Bergani and I talk about, you know, day one of when we meet with our pitchers every year is communication 
the importance of it and why that helps and leads towards success with your health. And that's, we're not going to talk X's and O's. We're not going to talk expectations, you know, it's health and the communication behind it. So that's, that's kind of what's going to be interesting moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm a, I'm a lifetime thrower now. Like it's just not going to stop ever, you know, like, right. and so that being said, I think this is a massive opportunity. Like if you reverse engineer that idea from September one, like for me at that age, now I'm super excited because now it's April and then it's September one, I have a lot of time that I could, you know, really keep developing. And so, you know, the, my biggest advice to everybody is like, just don't turn it off. Right. Cause the competitiveness that goes into uh, an outing as opposed to like a bullpen or a long toss session or, you know, playing catch is, it's just not the same. Right. So I, I feel like, you know, a lot of pitchers don't understand the concept of building up, right? And and there's different theories to this and that. But for what I've seen, a lot of the players that I played with, the on-ramping, off-ramping idea of like literally taking time off just doesn't necessarily work with what we see, right? And so if you're in a constant state of growth of what you're doing, as long as you're evaluating where you're at in your season, you can keep progressing, right? It's it's one of um, Jaeger's uh, stories that he talks about where if your season's over, the way you celebrate is you go long toss, right? It's just, it's a way to feed <laughs> your arm, right? Yeah. And there's stories about this where like, I, I got a story about Beckett where they lose to the Yankees one year and he takes a, a bucket of the BP balls, goes to home plate and he's long tossing over the monster because he's mad, right? That was his throwing session. And so, you know, there's, there's, it, that kind of idea gets lost, not understanding like how important it actually is to keep your patterning, to keep your motion, to keep the elasticity of your arm, to, to, to keep that going. You know, um, I don't know if you got another funny story too. Uh, Scherzer was playing catch in the middle of the parade, like drinking beers and playing catch. It was awesome. I was <laughs> like, yes, this is my dude. Like I'm still bought in on him. Let's go. You did it. And you, you got a butt heavy and a glove and it was hilarious. But in the same sense, like, <laughs> I think he understood like, and he played catch for like 15 minutes and it was hilarious. And he did it with some kid and it wasn't really, it was a story, but it wasn't. But really what I saw with it was, is I bet you, we know that dude's a mad scientist when it comes to, he knows his body and his arm. And he hopped off that double decker bus and was like, Hey, it's been three days. I'm going to lose my mind. I got to play catch. Otherwise this neck thing's going to happen again. And we got to get that doctor over here and he's going to, Crank. Uh, I, I, I listened to game seven the other day and they talked about that guy and I meant to go back and make a note of it, but um, it, it's, you know, he's apparently got some neck kink thing. Can't raise his arm up. The guy does like a 36 hour treatment and then he's 97 again. I'm like, Oh dude, Which, I was just watching. So if you, somebody, somebody like mirrored him and Cole right next to like front, I don't know. It was an overlay. And I was thinking the same freaking thing because it comes up into his head. So that's yeah. where we were talking about how we were just asking somebody this on the show because Scherzer does this weird thing where he just keeps his hand going forward. So the ball will come out and then he like fakes his hand going. I mean, it's one way to slow down, but you've, you've heard us talk like you can rotate out of that. You can disperse that into bigger muscles. And anyway, it literally comes up and hits him in the head. And I was wondering, and then here you go. So some neck thing. But it's funny how we just like assume that, oh, it's Max Scherzer. That must not hurt. But it's like, no, that would hurt me. Probably bothers him. Yeah. It, I, 
think he's under the the school with that the way he follows through is like it's a controlled dislocation of the arm, so it just kind of like turns off right after release. Yeah, and so well, and, and the it, point and, and, it's, and, it's and, so and weird not, to watch. I'm not I'm not shitting on him because the point is is that that's why you throw nonstop because now you can overcome these things to your point, you know. So, um, anyway, keep going. No, I think if you guys don't mind me, I think you know even. Uh, for us coaches and coach Brigani, I want, I want to hear kind of what your perspective is on this. And I know we've talked about this a little bit, but uh, you know, over time too, us coaches uh, need to evolve. And, and I say that I need to just continue to educate themselves, you know, at being a teacher essentially. And, and I'm the first one to admit that in my first year or so uh, of being a pitching coach at this level, you know, there was a little, and it was wrong. For, I don't know right or wrong, but my hunch is now, who knows 10 years from now, but, you know, my hunch is now that it was probably wrong for me to do a little bit more of kind of the controlling of a, a throwing program and, you know, recommending, hey, this amount of time off or, you know, this is what you need to do to succeed. We're now kind of catching us up to seeing there's just so much science behind, you know, there, there's a reason why you know, in, in professional baseball and major league baseball, you know, those, those high end Tommy John surgeries are taking place within the first two months or the, the last month, I guess, of, of spring training in the first month of the regular season. And that's probably based off looking back uh, what they were doing, or maybe they're, you know, they stopped throwing for a brief bit or, you know, whatever program matches to their, their specific needs and their specific body. Um, now where I will say, and kind of an interesting note where I do, or I would maybe recommend taking time off if it's a handful of time off from throwing is if this guy needs a break, you know, if the mind needs a little bit of a, you just come off a rough season, right. Or I even reflect on, I remember a fall of mine where I put together a terrible fall. I mean, it was, it was embarrassing. And the best thing I did was I get to winter break and our coach at the time you know, a really smart individual, he gives us a recommended throwing plan and, you know, how we can tinker with it. And I just took that thing and it wasn't a, it wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but I flipped it over, turned it over. I said, I'm not even going to throw for these next 14 days. Screw it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. And, and when I was able to come back, what it was is probably wasn't helpful for my arm, but more importantly, it was helpful for my mind. And that's what then helped me, uh, you know, kind of get, get to a, a better place once we got to the competitive part of the spring. So, yeah, I think there's just so much, you know, so much science to it, so much, you know, education, so much uh, information uh, to, to really, you know, determine what you want to do with, you know, with the arm and keeping it active. Uh, I'm a, as of right now, as of April 28, 2020, I'm a big fan of it. 20 years from now, who knows? There's maybe there's more education saying that, you know what, you need to take four weeks off and then, you know, so you got to, that's where the part of yourself needing to evolve has to take place. But um, yeah, it's kind of where I'm at right now. Coach Brian, what do you got on it? Well, John, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm a year long thrower and hence all the scars all over my body. But um, I think a reason <laughs> that I learned all that is I was a year long thrower, but whenever I would stop, yeah, there it is. Whenever I would stop and then I'd try to pick it up again, that's when I felt the tightest. And that's when I was like, oh, this is, this is bad. But the issue I got into, and I can say I was guilty of it is, um, I could throw it pretty decent. So when I started feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm getting, I'm getting to the mid nines again, like I'm getting back up there. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I try to get greedy. Okay. So what can I do today to do extra, to get to that six, to that seven, to that eight. 
And then little do I know I'm overworking, my arm hurts, and then the next day I hop on the mountain and I'm 72 miles an hour. Because it's like you have to be smart about it. So what's great about this time is, like Coach Flo was saying, September 1, let's talk about that. That doesn't mean that I need to throw 98 miles an hour tomorrow. That just means that I have a great opportunity to continue my long toss, to be smart about all my throwing, and don't do anything stupid. I think it is a great time for plyo work and core work and stretching even just your wrist, just little things. But I, I think in 20 years from now, Flo's right. It could just be like, hey, you're going to throw in the fall, and then from Thanksgiving to New Year's, we're not even going to look at a baseball. Like, you never know. And uh, that's the best part about being coaches. Like, it all changes. Like, I can reflect on when I was a catching coach over at San Francisco State. Um, I remember when I was catching, it was like, well, you don't catch on a knee. That's lazy. That It just shows that you don't care. And then all of a sudden, the major league catcher started doing it. I called a couple of my buddies. I talked to Jerry Weinstein over with the Rockies a couple of times, and he was like, hey, man, this is the new wave. This is how to do it and work through it. And it's one of those things that you just have to adapt to it. And that's what's great. And this whole throwing year round, I think right now it's great. If kids do it under a great, not a microscope, but if they do it under a, just a good lens of saying, okay, let's not overdo it. It's going to be great for the body. Um, one of my buddies, Wayne Franklin, pitched a long time in the major leagues. And he, he talks about how he never stopped throwing. And just like you, John, maybe how you're going to be in 30 years from now. I'm, Wayne's not that old. I'm not going to date him. Hey. But um, why not? Wayne hey, I saw still a three-year-old throw a hundred, and it really changed my brain. And I was like, hey. I don't really know what's going on here, but this yeah. is crazy. Wayne, yeah. Wayne still throws. Um, I coached him at San Francisco State, and I coached summer ball with him, and we'd go out there and long toss every day. And I would be the one that was tired before him, and he never Dude, stopped. It's fun. It's fun to yeah. throw far. Like that's you know that whole being good at it, the the game of catch, like. You know, we, we talked about something uh, before you guys got on, Cass and I were about like our future programming and what's going to happen and stuff. And one of the things that I think is actually missed and like overcomplicated is catch, right? And so thinking about doing some long toss programs where you go out there and it'd be, you know, three times a week, right? Where you, you, you progress through it, you do some ideas and then you do a couple, maybe you do a couple shuffle fires or something afterwards just to open up the arm just a little bit yeah, have some and, fun. and, and to make it exactly have some fun. Like, it's so funny when I talk to some of, some of the dads when they were, you know, they're worried about the kids and especially the ones that have played, right. The ones that have played are like a little bit on the fence. And then you go into the like, Hey, do you remember when you were playing right field and you just ripped balls to the catcher? Remember that? And they're like, Yeah. And I was like, wasn't that a lot of fun? They're like, it was a blast. I'm like, that's the same thing he's doing right now. He's doing the same yeah. thing. He's just throwing it at the at the target. And there's a radar gun just right there, so he's getting feedback. That's all it is, man. Yeah. It's nothing. Everyone wants to be Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, that's oh. I was like, I talked to Coach Flo about this last week. Like we we were talking about just like the follow through and his get up and go and the way his arm works. And it's like that dude had a had a cannon of an arm, and it's fun to watch. And so, like, when you're playing catch, every once in a while, it's great just to say, okay, so I'm going to throw this ball as hard as I can four feet off the ground for 200 feet. And you might not do it. You might do it, but you'll impress yourself with the backspin, the height, the true spin. Mm -hmm. But it's fun. you gotta, you got to have fun with it. Dude, it's so much when when Taylor and I throw, or or Vance and I throw, when we're out behind the the gym because we still just got a couple of them throwing. We rip at each other. It is so much. We're seventy five feet away or whatever, and just absolutely trying to break each other's face. And like the level of game of catch that goes with that, it's so much fun. But it's you know, it's it's 
not a an easy skill to have. You know, once you start getting out of control when you're trying to go even faster than you're used to, that's where we start losing the body and and being able to stay within your idea of your motion and learn how to do that, right? The learning of no numbers, just the feeling of I'm going to rip this ball and hit him in the chest, right? That that idea just really gains confidence with a lot of our guys because that's that's the feeling of what you're trying to harness, right? We we see it with Taylor um, you know, when he, uh, I'm, Cass and I are, are very, we do, we come at him from different angles, right. From, on stuff. And, and one of the things that I'm always telling Taylor is, is I'm like, dude, when you focus on competing and just like ripping balls at the mitt, you kind of just do it without thinking about it, man. You kind of get to this spot, you put the arm down to here and then you let it rip. And next thing you know, it's 96. And like, you might miss by three inches, but dude, who cares? Like it's 96. It's over the plate. Like, What's the worst that could happen? Like competitive er, early, yeah. you know what I mean? And and so we've been working on him to to like be able to turn on the aggression and, and not worry too much about you know like going one oh and, and like still being able to come back with a fastball and try to pummel it inside or or you know throw a cutter middle and just see what happens where where just that little bit of an idea where you're not trying to be too fancy right? Still accomplishing three pitches to, to, to make this guy do anything, right? If you throw a first pitch ball, we know the numbers flip everywhere, but like we give the guy too much credit at the plate. Like I dare you to sit fastball and I throw a nasty cutter, a slider and one Oh, and you top it and roll over a shortstop. Like it's just an easy math problem <laughs> that if you just throw it right where it's supposed to be, like the guy runs down to first base, unbelievably upset. How dare you throw a one Oh slider? Like, it's like, dude, it's not, it's really not that big a deal. You know? Yeah, it's let me get the ball back and I'm gonna do it to your buddy again and we're gonna be at two outs here in a second. Dude. Yeah. Oh man, you guys would have if you thought that was fun, you should have seen me at the NBC World Series where I had a Alaskan team like cussing me out on the mound, calling me old, like all this stuff released <laughs> recently. It was pretty funny. It was they were mad. And I was like, why are you mad that I'm bouncing cutters first pitch and all of you are swinging at it because you're selling out? Like, I don't understand. I'm not swinging the bat. Like one through nine swung. Yeah, you swung at the first and second pitch the entire game. And you're mad I went nine and struck out 11 because you guys don't know what you're doing. Like nobody took <laughs> anything. Right? I stopped throwing strikes in like the third inning because you guys were literally just – I'd, I'd float up a changeup. You'd rip it at the dugout and like deep exhale. Oh, yeah, I got this. Like you're a moron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're an absolute moron. Like you don't even know what's about to happen. Jeez, yeah. same thing to your buddy. Here you go, right there. Swing over it. Go ahead, next yeah. guy. Like it's just so, it, it's so funny that like the the mental side of the game. And so that's where 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 we really like to focus is like we ran a live at bat training program this summer, and we just saw the competitiveness idea of the guys. We were actually able to translate it way better into the game because it was the idea. It was. It's one-on-one -on -one basketball. You're playing another human. You're not trying to hit a spot. This is not the same thing, right? Nobody's telling you what to do. You can do whatever you want here. If you walk the guy, literally nothing happens. Like he just, we just redo the three-two count just because why not? Right. Yeah. And then there's another batter after that. So getting over the fear of failure right there and like who cares if you give up a bomb and stuff like that and just trying to be nasty. You know, we got guys competing at like 84, 86, like just coming hard in with the cutter, you know, front door, two seam, back foot change, like just throwing nasty stuff with it just because they understand like, oh, these are the areas I don't get hurt at, you know?
Yeah, it's. I mean, like you said too, John. Just it. it it's amazing how the the top performers at any level. You know, and it's all relative. But the best players at whatever level you're looking at really find a way to simplify the game. And you know, I, Coach Bergani and I were laughing about it. I was able to have one of you know my past players uh, come out over the you know close to the end of the fall. Uh, as he was preparing to get right back into his professional side of things. And, you know, he's watching a few bullpens with us. and He's just scratching his head about like, why, you know, why can't this kid throw a slider? Like, I mean, wh- what do we like? Why can't you throw a slider? Like, and it was, just, it was so, it was so simple in his actual, and, you know, I was like, Hey, Corey, talk, you know, talk to the kid, tell him, you know, tell him how you throw your slider. It's a good slider. So tell him how you throw your slider. And he shows him the grip. And he's like, all right, rip it rip it just rip, rip it. it and that's rip all he it. said and he's like you know there's no he's like just throw the heck out of it and rip it and, and but again that it's funny it was fun for me as a guy that you know coached this kid you know now two three years ago <laughs> and he's having so much success in professional baseball but just for him to to him to just communicate now with a current you know current player and just say rip it i mean how how beautiful is that and, and you know and like you said too in catch play finding the fun and in being competitive in catch play. And that's, you know, something, a huge foundation for, uh, for our program and, you know, wherever this career path takes, I'm a huge fan of how we're attacking, you know, our day-to-day catch. And the reason to it is let's be real. You know, you might in a seven day week, you might only get off the mound three times. Okay. Especially as you're competing in the season, you know, maybe a little short box, a bullpen, and then you're, you're throwing in your outing. Right. And but at the end of it, you're, you're still playing catch it six of those days, at least probably all some of them all seven. So mathematically, where can we find our development? Let's take the odds that you're playing catch seven days and you're getting off the mound three of them. So finding a way to find the fun and, and competitiveness in that catch play and being aggressive with it uh, is crucial, too. So, uh, yeah, great points brought up. I mean, everyone's different with the catch play. Like we have a pitcher. not going to name drop him, but his competitive nature comes in after every day of catch play, he gets off the mound and he throws five to 10 fastballs into just a net off the mound. And that's his competitive nature every day. Cause he's trying to find his feeling off the rubber. Um, we have another pitcher who throws every single ball at a hundred percent. Doesn't matter the distance. Doesn't matter what pit, it doesn't matter, but he, that's his competitiveness. And then we have another guy that kind of is slower going out and then all of a sudden, when he gets to the flat ground mode of the back end of his catch play, his eyes kind of flip back into his head. Red lasers come out, and it's just disgusting. <laughs> so once everybody figures out their way of competitiveness before they get to the rubber, I think that's that's such a key thing. And I, and I like applaud you guys for getting that competitive nature through Cutter Nation because that's something that needs to be shown. Like, hey, guys, like, yeah, we're training all the time. Yeah, we're throwing hard. But when that hitter steps in there – you just see gray. Doesn't matter who he is. Doesn't matter where he's from. Doesn't matter how sweet his walk-up song is because he's gonna walk back to the. My dugout. favorite part. My favorite part. A nice road. <laughs> a nice road game with sick walk-up music that I get to dance yeah. to. Like, yeah, there was a right. there was a pitcher last year that we faced. Uh, he was at Cal State Monterey Bay, and uh, he he was actually a singer too, and he had perfect pitch. And so they came to us, and he was on the mound just head bobbing to every song and singing it. And uh, I hate to say this because I don't want to, but he was nasty that day. He would sing the walkout songs to our guy 
and then tell him to get ready to walk back. I think he struck Ooh. out like 12. Ooh. And I just remember standing in the first base Ooh. box going like, ooh, this is hard to watch, but it's kind of fun to watch. Because <laughs> yeah. this guy's so into it. He's just into Never the forget He's what's happening. Yes. Never, Coach exactly. Brigandy, why, Coach Brigandy, why do you have a cup on? No, I was just like, I was standing like, wow, this guy's really good. Like, And he's just excited to be out there. He's ready to go. He's into it. He's yeah, in the dude. moment for sure. He's in the yeah. moment. Yeah. I used to, I, dude, I, I, it's funny when I was playing in Mexico, I would dance on the mound a little bit sometimes and like the crowd would, would kind of go with it. I'd do a little hip shimmy, little something, and the, the crowd would go and I'm like, oh, that's fun. You know, like you guys are in it <laughs> as much as I am. Like that guy had a sick walk up song. I granted you're it was playing like, a game. You, yeah, you exactly. Oh, have some cool. fun. Relax. I, Just get after I it. Really, I really liked how you were talking about those guys as like different personalities um, and how they play their catch and how they compete. And it just, I just think about John, you know, highlighting how we're storytellers and, and just the way that a lot of coaches don't go that like, that's silly. That's, that's good that you do that. You know what I mean? And it's not, it's not so obvious that you should be doing little things like that, but helping kids understand what theirs is, is so critical. Um, I'll just speak on mine. Like mine was junior year, kind of figured it out. And like, I can go there now. And, and it, I didn't get that until like 25, but like, um, you know, as a, as a 21, 22 year old, I started knowing how to go there. Right. And so like helping younger players or just, I suppose any players at your level, right. Um, like create their own little like vanimal, right. Their mantra, right. What are they? And like, you have to be able to tell them a story convincing enough for them to, not just think that you're talking down to them. So anyway, I just wanted to highlight that because that's that's so critical. And I don't know that I've done, you know, John, it, it's just, it's second nature to John. You know, the, the closest thing that I can do is give him silly little nicknames and just, you know, joke with him. But then to like, you know, make it full on, turn it into a personality on the mound. Do you know what I mean? Like to pull that out of kids is something special. So I'm hearing that, buddy. I'm hearing that, Brigandy. Yeah, we had a we had a pitcher this year. He was he was a freak, and uh, I had the opportunity of hanging out in the bullpen and making sure guys were nice and hot. But I knew when he was going to have a good day when he was singing to himself "Party in the USA" by Miley Cyrus, and it wasn't like he was like singing like he was really angry, dripping sweat, singing every word, and the ball would fly out of his head. I remember the first time I heard this, we were in Arizona uh, for the beginning of the year tournament. And I'm sitting there and I hear, put my hands, whack, up, and I'm just like, who is this kid? But he pitched great, and that was his thing. And then yeah. I remember asking him after the game, like, hey, man, what is that? He's like, I don't know, like in high school, like, had an ex-girlfriend. This was her favorite song. When I think of it, I get fired up, and I just go out there and destroy it. And that's yes. what he did. And, and that's one of those things that um, we can't control. Like, it's not like Coach Flo can go up and, and, and coach him into it. That's something that they yeah. evolve into. Yeah, um, find it for sure. One thing I applaud, Coach Flo, you, I'm going to applaud you right here. You just take it. He does such a great job of giving the guys the freedom of making their own throwing program. So it's not this cookie cutter. It's, hey, man, here's the schedule. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do for this? So the guy can start to figure out who they are going to be for the rest of their life. So when you get this kid, let's say we've taken a freshman. He's used to a throwing program. But this kid's projectable to be a big leaguer one day. It's like, hey, man. When you're 24 years old and you're pitching in the show, a guy's not going to hand you a piece of paper and say, this is your throwing routine. So let's get started on this now. And so it starts the development process. So props to you, Coach Flo, that guys are getting ready for the rest of their life because of him. So these guys come to our program and they're coached into this 
theory of, hey, man, you're creating all this. You're going to come up with what makes you tick. And once you figure it out, you'll fill it out in a Google Doc. You'll come in and meet with us and kind of say, hey, this is what gets me going. This is what makes me feel good. And this is what I want to do. That's awesome. I, I love that idea. Like <clears throat> we uh, we have generalities with um, with the ideas of our throwing days so we can educate kids, you know, even as nine so they can understand their active rest days. We call it 20, 50, 100 percent days. And it's defined by your output. You know, even guys that go into bullpen or, you know, we talked about game situations or live at bats. Those are more stressful, but really teaching them how to pull back the throttle at what the idea is a 50 percent day and then, you know, learn. You know, and most of the time it's not necessarily 50 percent. You know, you it's very hard to throw 43 miles an hour when you throw 75, you know, like it's just that's a difficult thing to do. Right. So the idea of just not maxing out and trying to feel the ball come off your hand and just be good at throwing and work on your follow through and sticking it, you know. Uh, I just wanted to throw this out there because I don't know if you guys heard this in another podcast. I uh, on our low effort days, so like I've heard you've heard this called many different things. So right, everybody has some sort of low, medium, high, some whatever. Um, on on our medium day, I had a, a remote training client and I was jumping back and forth. His his max below uh, like pull down is like an eighty one, and um, I was having him do drill work. Hey, you can't go on uh, from knee drill until you hit sixty two. So at the the safest constraint, right? The you, you can't really screw that one up, right? You're on your knees. You can't hurt yourself there. You just can suck at it or you can be a little bit better at it. Anyway, he got past that. And then after that, then it was target practice with a radar gun. So it'd be like, okay, now in this drill, you have to throw it 68 and then 73 and then 62. And when he had to drop down to that 62, it's infuriating, but that's, that. it's simple. Right. So uh, just a side note, because I know uh, you guys are you guys probably have some resources that would allow you to to do something like that. Not everybody can. But I God, just simple stuff like that can be so powerful. You know, but you're creating feel, which is yes, amazing, right. which is something yeah. <laughs> Coach Flo and I, you can't teach feel. But I guess that's the way you're teaching it. <laughs> I'd love to see yeah, how that works out. You use a radar gun and, and try to help guys go up on their own pace, right? you got to learn. One thing we just brought up recently is, like, I didn't understand what the radar gun really meant until I started throwing in front of it every day and understood what my feedback was, right? Because I may feel good one day and go to rip, and I'm not <laughs> where my numbers are. So something's off mechanically. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe I didn't get a good night's rest. Right. But it gives me answers quicker to what's going on. Right. And but so to Brigandy's point to Brigandy's point, though, John, like on your worst days, you're like in balance and in syncs better than most people. Right. So for the rest of us, like when we're not like <laughs> on top of this shit, we don't fall into that. Like I'll just go like my arm slot will change like three inches in a day if I'm not. Figure you know what I mean? So it's just like it's in perspective, you know. <laughs> Cash, you got to check your shoulder out, man. You stop doing those <laughs> those kipping pull up and CrossFit. <laughs> yes. Hey, Good. give me a break. Give me a break. <laughs> He's got to be good at something, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so um, competitiveness. I, that that idea. I really love that idea. Um, do you do each one of you guys have a an instance that you felt like? you learned where, where it was, like where, where you found it, you know, in the game. Cause I've got a couple instances and I, you and found I, it, you found well, it. I mean, there? it's just, 
I, it's more like when you realize, like, oh, okay, this is this is what it is. This is the, the fun part. Isn't right? that kind of the thing, though, is, like, when do you figure out who you are as a pitcher? And then it's, like, who are you as a human? And, uh, you know, good luck, guys. Well, I, <laughs> I know. I think, on the, I think on the baseball side, something that just immediately comes to mind is, uh, you know, kind of a little bit of a background. But in high school, I was primarily a, an outfielder. And because I was 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and left-handed, you know, hey, let's just run that guy up there because he could be projectable on the mound. And, you know, and things were able to progress where I'm able to put myself in a, in a situation in front of teams or colleges uh, to then move to college baseball as a pitcher. So I think the tough part about it for, for me was that I, I go to my freshman year in college and it's my first, the first time in my entire life where I'm only pitching. And I, and I really do believe I lost a sense of athleticism. You know, I was so used to running around the outfield, going to hit, you know, two, three in the order, and then can come on the mound in the six or seven just to close it out. And, and I didn't, I spent more of my time maybe in catch play working on, you know, I'm trying to gain arm strength or follow through, be aggressive because I'm an outfielder. And then I get on the mound and, and compete. And so I think there was a, a definitely a, a difficult year for me where I almost I, I tell guys this and I really this is why I really like to recruit uh, players that, you know, that either play a different position, you know, are their high school shortstop or third baseman and then also pitch or, you know, maybe they play basketball. Uh, and so they're you know, they don't spend a full 12 months of, of a year you know, just completely devoted towards one sport because I. I want I want the shortstop that pitches rather than the pitcher that plays shortstop. And, and that's the tough part in explaining, not the difficult part, but, you know, just trying to remind guys when they lose a sense of, of confidence or, uh, you know, just feel on the mound. Let's get back to, you know, who you truly are, that athletic individual. So going back and relating it to kind of that competitive switch, my sophomore year, uh, after a, a pretty poor freshman season, uh, it, it's, it's probably a week before season and I'm not, I'm still not, you know, getting it on the mound and I'm, I'm getting really frustrated. Just naturally all this being competitive, I'm getting frustrated with myself. And so I'm running around the outfield one day, we're in a, we're in a scrimmage. We, we needed, some guy was either hurt or sick. I don't remember, but we needed an extra right fielder and our college, you know, the coaches are, Hey, just run out to right field. You're only going to play defense for these last few innings. So I go out and play right. And I make some pretty athletic plays and, and realizing that when I'm in the outfield, you know, I'm actually throwing from a little bit lower of a slot than I am, you know, when I'm on the mound, when I'm, when I'm pitching. And all of a sudden, I give a ton of credit to my pitching coach at the time, who's now the pitching coach at, at USC. But he comes to me and he's like, hey, why, why are you more athletic, you know, and why are you throwing harder in, in the outfield than you do when you compete on the mound? Let's come into the bullpen real quick. Vary your – I want you to – whatever you think your, you know, a sideways or a sidearm kind of arm slot is to you, throw from there. And what that allowed me to do was I didn't know what I was doing. I, I knew what the feeling was like of, okay, being a little bit more athletic. But that all of a sudden allowed me to lose just that mindset of, okay, this is how you're supposed to pitch. And it, and it regained my confidence again of, okay, here's the ball. I'm on the rubber and I'm throwing from like an athletic slot. I don't care what my body looks like right now. And it helped me switch complete gears to just a competitive self. 
Um, so I think I, probably that's kind of my moment where it just kind of the light bulb switched, which, you know, again, it's just, it's being, we've said this now a handful of times, you know, over the last hour, but it's about being who you are. And, and for me, the best way I was going to pitch was being extremely athletic, maybe a little unorthodox, but being athletic on the mound. I think the way I found it was I caught my entire life. I only pitched for a year of my life just because it was a fun opportunity I was blessed with. But the first time I got on the mound, it was kind of just after I talked to a bunch of scouts and um, I forgot how to hit. I just couldn't hit anymore, but I always had a good arm behind the plate. Um, and one of the guys said, why don't you just try to throw one like you're throwing a guy out at second? Because that was something I, I prided myself on. I was good at. And the first time off my mound is when I hit that special number 90, right? I was like, oh, my gosh. So you're saying that I get to throw a guy out every single time from the mound? And then I think that's when it flipped for me. And then I started to develop. But it was that, that mentality of, like, no one is going to touch the ball. And then, like, to coach flow is the athletic ability. If you're a catcher throwing somebody out, there's a lot of moving parts. So in my mind, if I tried to, like, obviously I watched pitchers from receiving them all the time. But if I tried to mimic that, it was not explosive. It was slow. It was a long arm. It, it, was, it was not clean. But the second I got in my head, I'm like, okay, let's throw this dude out. And it was just this quick, short arm up, downhill, and it is explosive. So I agree with Flo. I think once I realized kind of the athletic ability that came behind it, I turned into this kind of a toolbox. I had long hair. I just thought nothing stunk, and I just could throw really hard. And it worked, <laughs> you know? And you kind of like you are – you is who you is. So I knew I could throw hard. I knew I could throw strikes. And then you guys out. And then I just kind of carried it until I tore everything else in my elbow. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that and that Fair. last part is we've yeah. all done it. I mean, I don't know if uh, Flo, if you've hurt yourself, but for me, it's like that last part. And this, I, I mean this to myself. You can speak for yourself, but it's like I just didn't have enough discipline and enough self-respect to say, "Hey, maybe don't throw through this pain right now." And you could probably yeah. figure it out over the long haul. Because I, I have just, uh, like this game. Yeah, I've never been taken out of a game in my life. Uh, when I tore my labrum in high school, I finished the inning before I came out. Uh, when I did the thing in my neck, I was rehabbing surgery. But when I did this thing in my elbow, I was pitching in front of a, a lot of important people, and they had to tell me I was done. They had to take the ball out of my hand. I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. My arm was like backwards this way. But <laughs> I was like, I'm fine. Like, I'm doing this. Like, But, yeah, I mean, I don't – I think that's when it, the mantra takes over, though. Like, because you're like, no, like I am good at this. I don't take me out of the, my element. I'm here. I'm, I'm, yeah. So, but yeah, the discipline. I definitely, I tell Flo all the time because I'm always like, hey, arm care. Like, what can we do? How can we make sure? And we're both very good at it. But I always joke, like, guys, don't, don't get this. You don't need this in your life. You, your life will be better without the nine months of doing this every day. Like, you're gonna be okay. I, it just brings up weird uh emotions where i like literally heard the concept of like you probably want to get tommy john like that flute around for a <laughs> oh i hated that and, you're, and i was People like still say that I'm like what i've heard i've heard young kids say yeah i think i want to get tommy john to throw harder and it's like or you can just do arm care every day so yeah. you don't or need you, it yeah, exactly. or you could just jump and skip the whole thing together and throw harder without it hmm. yeah don't yeah, break your elbow <laughs> either guys yeah i I, when I broke my elbow in the game, it was very 10 feet to the right. It was a whole uh, thing, you know? So, so I keep on hearing, I got to say this out loud because I keep on thinking it. So Doug Latta, I'm pretty sure he said like 
80, it might have been 90%. So somewhere in that 80% and 90%, it's like, that's about all I can do. That last 10 to 20%, like that's on them. And that's that's that part of like, who are you? And 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 putting it into perspective and, and also understanding how that's going to play on the mound. You know, for me, um, you know, it's not necessarily being flawless. It's like understanding what those are and using those to your advantage, right? So um, if I can pitch pissed off. I can, but I'm going to throw 137 pitches. I'm going to have 12 Ks in seven walks, right? And so when I don't pitch emotional like that, I just don't have to try so hard to get the same result. I'm not going to have the amount of Ks. I'm not going to have, but I'm not going to have the amount of walks, right? So I'm usually like a one-to-one guy. Um, and when I am that, and when I learned how to be that, um, it was a lot easier to just stay in the place. Now I go out on the mound right now. I can't tap into that guy. Why? Cause I haven't prepared, right? That was a prepared version of myself, right? And I had gotten to that and I'm a completely different person now, right? And you can talk about this, how guys evolve through their career, but essentially it just keeps coming back to, you know, this is, I, I'm going to, this is why I talked about the pandemic stuff, ta- making kids make decisions. This is the same stuff here. How are you going to compete? Right. And this is for the people that are like, hey, man, my coach is a dick or my players. This person is in front of me or that person is there. It's like, bro, like it's it has to come back to you. It has to come back to you. And that's not easy, but it has to come back to you. So it's just so like for me. And and I think this is why I harp on it so much is it's simply that I don't see it very often. I don't see a lot of young people and I'm as guilty as anybody. Right. Um, and that's probably where it's more personal for me, but I just don't see a lot of people asking themselves those questions enough, right? Who the heck are you and lean into it, right? And those flaws, uh, I heard this and I'll leave it at this. This is, this is, I'll for, I'll forever remember this. If you have a grandparent, okay. And they have lived their wonderful life. Okay. And you know, they have a peaceful death. However you imagine that the things that you miss are going to be the weird quirks that that person had. You're not like, gosh, they were like, you'll obviously remember their kindness and the good things, but you remember like, God, that son of a bitch. Remember when they used to do that to me? Gosh, and then you laugh about it, right? And so these, and if you can think about things like that and humanize it, it's a lot easier to accept the fact that, yeah, Cass, you're that psycho that doesn't shut up and that's who you are and like lean into that and make fun of yourself for it. Like have some, like, that's how you combat that. Once you accept that these things, who you are, now you can lean into them on the mound. How John's gonna, yeah, John's gonna talk to you when you're in the box, bro. Like what? And then you're gonna, you're gonna- <laughs> I did that too, then, I'm guilty. Then, it was so, so, much, be, so much fun and, to let people you, freak out. Like, But like, and then you have to also be the shortstop too. That's like, yeah, I got to just like be okay with John being on the mound doing this shit. You know what I mean? And it's just that stuff, um, man, culture, it brings up the Minnesota mash stuff. It all comes down to if you're not tapping into these things as a player or as a coach, you you can't even touch player development. You can't even touch skill acquisition because it doesn't exist without these things. Well, I know that. Flo and I can both tap into it, and here's a quick little story. But so Flo and I, when we're out there, it's we're very fun. We're having a loose going. But one day it was, um, we did this BP simulated BP drill of a short mound, and Flo and I were the captains of each team, and we had to throw to the other team. 
Um, we set the radar gun up there. I think the first inning flow and I were kind of just kind of throwing like a little faster than normal BP. Um, but by like the third inning flow and I are both dripping and sweat flows, chewing out hitters. I'm talking ish back to them. I think my average fastball, we had our uh, statistics and analytic crew doing it. I was sitting around 111 miles an hour from the 45 feet flow is sitting around 109 flows. Curveball is at 92 flow is spitting at kids. <laughs> I was just ripping. And it was just like at the end of it, like the guys were like, well, what was that about? And flow and I are just steaming because we can tap into it. We knew that we wanted to get our guys better. But also when I saw flow would go out there and rip three curves in a row at 94, I'm like, I'm ripping them at 95. Like, cause that's just who we are as athletes and competitors. And that's something that showed our pitchers too. Like, Hey, if another dude's on the mound and he's out competing you, turn it on, like get locked in, come back in, like go back out there, shut it down. But that was just, it's a fun little thing that you can just like, Flo and I will be out there laughing. We're on the rap soto. He's watching a guy. I'm watching a guy. Just I'm just paying attention. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, Flo Bergani, can you guys throw in this drill? And all of a sudden it's switched and we're, we're competing because that's just who we are at heart. What? Piss, you guys are so positive. You guys know how to spin. What pisses you off? When do you just it's love not what, on your guys? It's when do you we love on them? We love we love on our guys. There, that's that's no. That's seriously. That's one thing that with our culture. If I if 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 who how can I get you to blow up though? If somebody was gonna just absolutely make you blow up, what would you do? How could I get under your skin? Walk walk in front of somebody's bullpen. <laughs> what do you guess? <laughs> I mean, there's a million things, but there's you got to put it in perspective. Like, what's what's the real point behind it? You know, like it. You only need to get to that point if it's extremely necessary, and if because it's the well-being of our culture. You don't want to dive into it and rip it apart. But let's say someone's throwing a bullpen and someone's doing driveline balls this way. Yeah, and another guy's there. I mean. Things that will never happen in our program for many reasons, but it, it takes a lot for both of us because we understand our guys. We know each and how they work. We know certain guys you can talk to certain ways. Coach Flo does a great job working with guys in their arm slots and saying like, hey, maybe be more athletic, drop it down, and talking to them in ways where it's not rude, it doesn't come off hasteful, but certain guys he can get on because that's their coaching style. Yeah, I think exactly right. You know, two things, Coach Burgandy. I think you have to understand who who you're tapping into, which yeah. uh, player you're communicating with, and so you know you're gonna you're gonna get a, being around them every single day. You know, over those first three four weeks, a lot of times I'm evaluating just the type of competitor, especially those new players are, and and then two, how can I you know how can I speak with them? You know, there's certain guys that uh, when I want to just you know, grip onto them and, and just, you know, what are you shaking? What are you doing? I might have to approach them face to face, no more than two feet away, even go to the extent and just, you know, lightly grab him on the shoulder and just, you know, peacefully speak to him. And, hey, listen, I am really upset with you right now, but X, Y, and Z, here's how we're going to move forward. Just yeah. as there's other guys, you know, there's other guys that are out there that, you know, you, you know them, you, you have a really close relationship with them. And more importantly, you know that they're going to respond in a positive way, or at least have a hunch that they'll have a better likelihood of responding when you can get a little bit more vocal uh, in terms of, of your frustration with them. And for me, I think that's where, that, to be honest, that's where 
I've, I've over the course of now, you know, four or five years coaching at this level, uh, the most frustrated I've been in certain instances, it's not the initial conversation. It's not, you know, you're doing something, you know, silly or dumb and, and now mad, you know, it's not a, it's not a react, like an immediate reaction. It's okay. There was an immediate reaction where we handled it maybe behind closed doors or we, we spoke and, and at a, at maybe like a, a lower volume and you continue to do, you know, what we addressed or, you know, we bring up the mentality of your game and, and things that you need to do a better job controlling because they are controllables and you're still not put. That's when, okay, you know what? We addressed it and you're still, you know, having a difficult time with it. That's where I'll become frustrated uh, with our, you know, with, and it, it doesn't happen often. We're very lucky to be around, you know, uh, you know, like coach Bergani saying what coach Hill's been able to do here in terms of the on the field success. Sure. But more importantly, the success of the culture of this program, we're, we're typically bringing in pretty good apples. So, you know, we're not, we're not dealing with, you know, terrible individuals too often. Um, so that's another positive with it, but that's probably the few times that I've been very frustrated if that comes about. Well, I think it's tough because, and the reason I ask is because if you're, you know, like you want to win at the level that you want to win at, you have to have guys with character, at uh you know unprecedented level and you're already talking about that but then right so you're getting kids who are already the cream of the crop and then it's that next step right and so i think um it's it's interesting because i i think what what now we're just getting into like oh this is a little bit about you know how you where you lie on the leadership scale and like you know are you how how transformational versus transactional are you and you know i think when i think about <laughs> I, I'm getting that. I, I guess I was a little bit more um, uh, leading into something than I thought I was, but it's just that a lot of my, the people that led me just would bark, you know? And so I'm always looking for like, there must be an appropriate time to freak the heck out. And it's like, well, no, there's a lot of people that actually can lead and manage people in a way that's just like, yeah, man, if, if we, if we don't win a game this year, it's going to be real brutal. But like, me getting pissed off about it doesn't necessarily help us not do that. So, well, think about it. Like if you were, let's say you were pitching poorly and your coach comes out and starts chewing you off for pitching poorly. Isn't your first thought was, dude, I was already telling myself this. Yeah. It just depends because it, so I had a catcher, both my catchers would just lay into me like, bro, what's up? And I, and I was good at doing that. Um, so if this is the thing is like, you guys are creating an authentic relationship with your kids. And so that's the one thing with John is like, that's not in his DNA to like sit and bark at kids. It doesn't sound like it's in your DNA either. And I, and I think it, it might be a little bit more in my DNA, but I think the point is, is to like, be honest with that. And that's what I think is important is like, I'm, and I, and I tell people this all the time, I'm going to be the first one to admit, Hey, I'm out of line right now. Give me a break right now. And, and I think that that's really helpful for me anyway. So anyway, it's, I didn't, I wasn't going anywhere specifically, but I think it, it I, I appreciate that by the way that it's habits, right? Matt, your uh, flow, you're talking about like Absolutely. I'm trying to create good habits, right? And so you're going to make some mistakes along the way and you're probably going to, you might screw up a habit two, three times. But like at some point I have to talk to you like a grown person and you, these things don't work in real life. You just lose your job, right? You just yeah. lose friendships. You lose and, and, like, you know, a hundred percent. And that's where, 
even letting players know, you know, prior to getting to campus during the recruiting process of, you know, they need to know who you are and what your expectations are, are going to be. And I tell them, hey, listen, guys, you know, I'm not, you know, maybe it's because we're, we're all part of this younger generation of coaches and we're not too far removed. And in and, and reality, we're part of this generation that Cassie had brought up kind of has created that maybe a little bit of a negative stereotype over the last decade or so. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing being is, is, hey, listen, how I'm going to communicate, communicate with you is this, is ask any one of our players, are there going to be those few instances during the fall, the spring, the season, where I'm going to, you know, get loud and get vocal because I am frustrated? Absolutely. And just like Coach Burgandy has seen when I've done those in certain instances, sometimes I've pulled a player aside and said, you know what, like I could have handled that maybe a little bit differently. But I just want to let you know I'm doing this because I care for you. And it just got to the point that I, I just I needed to vent almost. I needed to, to to it almost the reason why I'm apologizing, it was almost more for me than it was for you. So that's why I'm apologizing. Uh, but the biggest thing being is, like I said, that might happen two or three times a year, not often. But the biggest thing being is I tell our guys, expect just real conversations. And Coach Bergani knows when we meet with our pitchers, for instance, every two weeks in our in our one-on-one or two-on-one meetings, when it's the three of us in there behind closed doors in the office, there's times where I'm okay with having a little bit of maybe what's perceived as uncomfortable conversations. And it's not a vocal war. It's just, hey, player so-and-so, here's where you're at. Here's what you need to do to improve. As of right now, you're the odd man looking into the bulk of innings. And you'll sit there and, you know, I didn't say it. I said it just in the tone that I just presented it to you guys yeah. where they sit there and maybe it's a little bit more approachable uh, or maybe that allows them to ask more questions. Uh, but they know, hey, listen, I'm not going to maybe be the, the, the screamer and the yeller, but a- anticipate real conversations. And I'm doing that or we're doing that to hopefully better your career so we can move you on to professional baseball. Yeah. I mean, it's the little things too, like, we always talk about the way we do anything is the way we do everything. And the way I've coached, the way I've brought up, I've, I'm very kind of hard-nosed, do things right, you do it right every time. So I remember, I think it was the third day in the office, Flo and I made a piece of paper, and we printed it out, and we took pictures of the locker room. We said, this is how your locker will look, this is how your locker will not look, with a list of rules. And we were both very stern about that the entire year. There were times Flo and I were having a ping pong game and a player would walk in and I would look at him and I'd say, you better clean your locker right now. Like, this is disgraceful. And it wasn't an attack on him. And it was just an adult conversation like, hey, man, you need to clean your stuff up. You got to start – you got to figure it out a little bit. And, and those are conversations that are had because of the culture that we've developed, this adult conversation, guys talking to each other. It's not like – we walked into the locker, ripped everything off the ground, threw it on the ground, wrote a little <laughs> note and said, pick it up. It was, hey, you clean it up right now. Then you can go out to the field. Take care of your stuff. So, But it's it's like everything I'll say until I die. Everything goes back to culture. It's how, how you do anything is how you're going to do everything. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, it's. Uh, I want to play for you guys right now. I want to go. Go ahead, come baseball. on back, man. You throwing you throwing one hundred and twelve oh. miles an hour, and and no, no I was just striking oh, out, dudes. We, we were at like thirty feet, and it was yeah. just like our catchers were like touching it like this. Curveballs yeah. are just sure. 
No, but it, no, it's but just you, that's what we like it, to do over there. Well, and I think there's something else that goes to it. Like you showed, I think showing the like animal side of your competitiveness to your players is just a different thing, right? Especially when they know that you have it. Like, oh dang, like Coach Flory used to be a dude. Like he used to came out and just rip. Hey, he threw a no hitter in the WCC. Coach Flory is a dude. Yeah, exactly. Right. But you, you hear it. Right. But then when you see it, it's a whole different thing. You know, when you you watch video or someone does it in front of you, it's like it's a different level of respect that goes through it. So, you know, it, it's hats off to you guys. You're doing a great job with the culture. I'm, I'm preaching. I'm, I'm in line with everything that you're saying. It sounds like a blast over there. It's a it's a good time. The, the amount of ping pong games that are won and lost. And I mean, it's it's just a it's a great time over in our uh very lucky to have the facility over there. And uh, it's, it's just, I mean, every day coach Flo has an office that looks out onto the field and, and the war room with myself, Willie Gaines and Ray Mack, we have the same view. And it's like every day we're like, wow, like this, this is what we get to do every day. So why don't we treat it like with the most level 10 energy that we can every day when a guy walks in and a guy walks right by our offices. I mean, you guys would crack up. We are like verbally harassing him with hellos. How was your day? How did you sleep? How was the workout? Because we want them to feel like they're part of our family. Like, it's funny. The first week, we'll always talk about the freshmen will walk by with their head down and kind of horse blinders <laughs> really fast because they do not know what's going on. Yeah. And then the senior walks in and they're stopping in every door. They're saying hi to everybody. But I mean, yeah, culture, that's, that's, it's huge for us. That's how we thrive. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to say this because I, I haven't given a shout out here and we're just coach Flo is just getting all of it, but just a testament to like, this isn't bullshit. This isn't bull crap. First thing I did when I moved to San Diego was emailed almost every coach in this, in the area. And I was just saying, Hey, I want to pick your brain. I want to know what you're doing. And, and he flipped it around and is like, I want to know what you're doing. And he didn't have to say that. And nobody else did either. And, and so it's just like, th this is what's so fun uh, having conversations with you guys is because th this is what it is. Um, you know, uh, I kind of, in, in the briefing that we had yesterday, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, there's some hot buttons, uh, in the private sector versus, you know, academic, however you want to talk about it, you know? Um, but like, we can make a very good case that that college is a dumb idea. Um, but, but at the same time, if you get a program that does it right, it could be the smartest idea ever, right? And so it's it's great that, you know, maybe not everybody is having conversations with, with pitching coaches and, and college coaches, but hopefully everybody is. And hopefully we start to do this more. Um, I think it was, uh, John, it was the, oh my gosh, guy. Anyway, one of our guests also brought up the fact that this is also harder for hitting coaches to do apparently. And I would totally agree with that. Um, and, and so it's, I'm glad that we can come at it from a side where we are having a conversation, but for the record, okay. The people that are watching like this, we need more of this, right? So if you're a coach, like, why are you not having these conversations? When I was in Minnesota, it was always, it's also competitive. And it's like, man, you, you can try as hard as you want to be cutter nation. You guys aren't going to be cutter nation. It's like, we can try as hard as we can to run a program like you guys, and we won't. So it's just like th this whole idea that this information um, is so valuable that we need to compete against each other for it. I, I think people just miss the point. So um, anyway, there's going to be things like Moneyball, and there's always going to be, you know, the people that really 
they're they're working their heart working hard and also running into a little bit of luck but at the end of the day this is what's going to push everything forward and we all know it but we got to start doing it more so anyway thanks guys because this is unbelievably valuable for everybody yeah i think this has done a really good job of uh like just showing your side of the program with a great conversation i mean i like i said i've already committed to the university of san diego i will be uh in the 2021 season Maybe come out of the <laughs> you know, see it up. 4.0. You guys yeah. We'd love to get you in there. Jeez. I love that. I'm graduated 4.0. I'm not sure if there's one more year of eligibility. I'm not sure. Maybe <laughs> you, you can get GA. You can you can get your master's. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, anyway, um, so I don't want to eat up too much more of your guys' time. We've been killing it. we got like an hour and 20 minutes right now, but this has been really, really good. Um, do you have anything else that you'd like to uh, uh, just say or anything you want to touch on before you guys go? Yeah, I think, you know, the only thing to add, and it's not a lot, but it's exactly what kind of cast, you know, I, I just brought up and, you know, sending this thing off where – uh, you know, again, with with hopefully kind of this this movement of younger coaches, and I was talking about it. I was on a podcast yesterday talking about this as well. But uh, which podcast? You know, being able, a gentleman by the name of Josh Rudd, who runs you know kind of a a uh, college recruiting service, we'll call it out in Florida, and was able to build a relationship with him, networking about players in the past, but. Um, you know, something that was really neat was talking about just in the four of us are absolutely this is a, this is the fun part about this conversation. The four of us are part of this core group of of younger coaches that are hopefully leaving a, a print on, you know, the, the younger generation that's going to continue to follow. And point being is it's all about education. It's all about learning. And if, if you're a coach, in my opinion, I don't really like to even say that it's a coaching role. It's a teaching role. And what are the best teachers? What are the best educators? Uh, top to bottom, whatever, you know, whatever you, uh, whatever, you know, I guess goal of yours or, you know, job that you might have, uh, those best educators are, are typically the best learners, Right. I mean, those guys are, or women are, are out there, you know, trying to advance their knowledge for, in our case, the game or whatever subject they're trying to study so that they can then in return, you know, give it back to the, the community itself. So uh, anyways, long winded, but, you know, like I said, always fun to, to speak with you guys. And we're looking forward to coming back out to the, the new facility. It's going to be so great to see. Um, and goodness gracious, I feel like whenever we're able to get around one another, these conversations do end up taking an hour or two, which is a sure. good thing. And that's just because we're just, we're, we're word vomiting, you know, everything that, you know, that we, we feel so passionate about, uh, which is all educational at the end of the day. So again, just want to thank you guys. It's been a blast. Yeah, guys. I mean, it was, it was an absolute pleasure. I mean, Flo and I were joking about, we were excited for this. Like we were like Cass, when you came to the field one day, like we still have a picture you drew up on Flo's board of a guy striding down the mountain. Like it's still up there. Like <laughs> Cool. It's just because, like, that's like we loved it. We love every opportunity we have with you guys. Um, I saw the Instagram picture of the outdoor thing being built. That looks phenomenal. Hope you yeah, guys got didn't it get hurt in the process. No, we got it finished. We got new lighting that's in, awesome. so we'll have even a. Uh, we got better camera angles because we got some new equipment to help us with that. So it's pretty exciting. Um, 
uh, yeah, we're, we're pumped. We've, yeah, we've done some spring cleaning. We're just like, we're, people are chomping at the bit to get in, we're chomping at the bit to ready to get it going. And cause we, I, I think that a lot of our clients and the people who follow us understand like, this is a process. It takes a long time. And we've been trying to put the message out, like give yourself six weeks to like really go through, you're probably going to go through some weird tendonitis stuff. It's probably going to happen. You probably haven't been on your routine like you're supposed to. You're probably not used to ripping like you want to. So be smart about it. Go through it like you're supposed to. And don't go play a tournament next weekend. What are you doing? You know, like, yeah. gosh, you know, I like you have, it's crazy that you have to say stuff like that. You know what I mean? Because we were talking to a guy the other day and he said it. So anyway, appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Uh, we will definitely do this again. This is amazing. Um, you, you guys check them out. USD, I'm, I'm sure go over to the uh, um, email section of the coach's contact, and I'm sure you can get a hold of anybody through there. Thank you again, guys. It was an absolute no Thanks, guys. All right. And All right. we are toasting. Ready?